Hey, folks, this is Double J, Jeff Jarrett. That's right. That's J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E-double-T. That's Double J, Jeff Jarrett, the world's greatest singer, the world's greatest entertainer, and now the world's greatest podcaster. Ha <laughs> ha. Just kidding. Hey, tune in, or you're listening to, or if you haven't subscribed, go right now and subscribe. SLTD Roundtable, the podcast. You got to tune in. These guys are great. They're greater than great, but they ain't as great as Double J. Ain't we great? Hello, everybody. This is uh, Alan the Fantastic at SLTD Wrestling. You're listening to a... Um, I guess the first of uh, hopefully many episodes of the of a revamped uh, SLTD roundtable featuring uh, the North American uh, contingent of uh, Mike Charlotte and myself. Mike, uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. As uh, as we're recording this, uh, we just finished watching AEW Revolution. So we are going to give our uh, reactions and um, predictions for storylines going forward. And uh, wow, the, that that was a hell of a pay per view, four hours at least. Um, you know, not adding in the buy in matches, which were pretty good on themselves as well. Uh, yep. A lot of a uh, lot of surprises, um, but just a lot of really just hard hitting, uh, like just action. So um, we're going to start off with the first match that uh, took place, the opener, with uh, Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho. Um, you, you don't want to talk about the buy-in matches? Okay, you know what? We can uh, do some quick uh, mentions of the buy-in matches. So we had um, uh, legit Layla Hirsch versus, versus Chris Statlander. This is a bit of a grudge match building on a continuing feud they had. I guess they were... The feud basically stemmed from them teaming up together and fighting amongst each other to, to Layla, I guess, turning heel and uh, attacking Chris, which is looks kind of interesting since Layla is the shorter woman in the in this feud, so she, she looks like she, her fight fighting off the taller taller competitor is a bit interesting. So um, yeah, I guess this ended with uh, Layla picking up the win. Uh, I can't remember exactly how it ended. I, I think Layla may have cheated. I, I don't remember, but uh, I I did. I pretty sure it was a was a roll up finish. I I think I missed the, the um, fall. I don't remember. Okay. Well, what did you think of this? What did you think uh, of that match? The match, the match as a whole was very good. I I've enjoyed this uh, storyline considering we've needed more storylines like this with women who are not fighting for the title um and the story that, that that was coming into this was you know they were friends for a while and Layla lost a match to Chris earlier in the year and she was not happy about it and yeah this match uh got it got pretty personal uh Statlander had some words about uh Layla Hirsch being adopted. Yeah, and, I, I remember um, hearing about that, and a lot of the reactions were like, "Ugh, we're yeah. cutting, cutting a little too close there, guys." <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so uh, this was kind of a grudge match that I was ex- actually really excited to see because I like both. both oh, yeah, and... yeah, definitely. Like, Layla looks like someone you could, like, like. Like, I, I look at her, and she's, like, very, uh, like, I don't want to get too uh, weird here, but, like, she looks like a very adorable person, <laughs> even though she could probably, <laughs> well, even though she could probably snap my ankle in two seconds. She's, like, she's like 4'11". She's yeah, like exactly. She's like, very look- short. She looks like someone you could totally get along with and could kick your ass at the same time. But uh, anyway, but, anyway, she is now because of this win, I guess, uh, as of uh, as of a uh, dynamite coming up uh, this Wednesday, she will have a uh, number one contenders match with Thunder Rosa, which we'll get to later on. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, you tweeted something earlier. You tweeted out um, why isn't Layla Hirsch in Team Taz like yesterday. And then I, I replied tagging Taz. Uh I know you I know I know you don't need advice, but maybe you could uh look at my friend's uh, suggestion here and uh <laughs> well I mean people have been saying that for forever because she basically is the female Taz. I mean she does everything that Taz did and she's I mean everybody gave Taz a big deal about being kind of short, so <laughs> it's a it's an interesting um um, anal- analogy and uh, definitely that might be something that uh, could be explored later on because I guess they want to see how far they can go with Layla as a heel first before they see um, you know whether they should because I haven't seen yet a faction in AEW where it included a female member unless I'm unless we count the AAHFO and um, the bunny but uh other than that, yeah, we haven't seen a lot of those kind of groups lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's uh, let's just move on quickly. Uh, we've got Hook versus a uh, QT Marshall, and uh, mm-hmm. this one was a no brainer. And then with Hook, uh, uh, the the match actually lasted a bit longer than Hook's usual squashes, but uh, nevertheless, ended with a uh, QT being tapped out by Hook once again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this was actually Hook's first. Um, well, pre-show on a pay-per-view match because mostly Hook's all, all of Hook's matches have been on Rampage, so this is his yeah. first match outside of Rampage. So, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, what's what else is there to say? It's uh, he's just he's just gonna keep uh, piling up on wins, and then eventually they'll do something with him. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this was his this was his longest match ever. Mm. Uh, I just looked it up. It was a it was five minutes. Oh, okay, um, but uh, it was also like really the first time that he's taken some offense, like, like really taken some offense. Like, I mean, obviously the story was that he was in there with the guy who trained him, and of course the guy who trained him is gonna have, you know, stuff that he doesn't know, and you know he's gonna have to f- figure out a way to get the victory. Obviously, we we knew we all knew Hook was winning. We all we all knew that's where it was going, and he won with the uh, with the red rum, like he does with all of his matches. And yeah, I I mean, for for the longest time, I I've been I I think what's gonna happen down the line, and I don't know how soon it will happen, but at some point, Ricky Starks is going to get jealous of the fact that Hook is popular, and that'll lead to something where Ricky Starks has you know issues with that and probably loses the FTW title to Hook which makes sense cuz you know Taz is Hook's father yeah so 
Yeah, definitely. I I mean, this uh, the team like we mentioned, just Team Taz about adding a uh, Layla in there, but then you think of the other side of it, the coin is that you know, Ricky Starks like he kind of doesn't look like he fits in Team Taz to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're gonna come to a point where that faction is gonna to um, maybe change members or um, you know you know take other members out who knows i mean they had brian cage in there before but before they had like two big guys in there and then whatever brian cage's contract issues are i i understand he actually resigned with the company he's just he's not being used at this point mm-hmm. although he's still allowed to work outside the company so that's um good for him uh financially mm-hmm. um uh, and but eventually yeah Hook's got, Hook is way over like with the audience. It's an organic growth. I know Adam from our, our, our team does not really understand the, the hype over Hook at the moment. <laughs> he understands Orange Cassidy and how he's over, but yet he's not understanding Hook because it's almost essentially mm-hmm. the same kind of uh, um, emotional investment from the fans. But anyway, I digress. Uh, so the final match on the buy-in is the uh, House of Black, which is Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews. Um, taking on the Death Triangle, Pac, uh, Penta Oscuro, uh, formerly Penta El Zero, with uh, Alex and uh, Eric Redbeard. So mm-hmm. this match was a pretty big mess. And uh, definitely, I think, like, if they do redo this match again, they should make it like one of those, like that trios tornado match we saw, we will see later on. Yeah, uh, there, these there guys are lot. these six guys are primed to just do crazy shit in the ring and around the arena. There, there was a lot going on in this match. I mean, I didn't hate this match at all, but oh no, it, 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 it. I think it's better than one of the matches we're going to talk about later. But um, yeah, I, I mean, the right team won. The uh, the House of Black is. I, I mean, Eric Redbeard. I did didn't expect him in AEW at all, let alone in, in this match, I would expect him to be doing something with the dark order, but, um, yeah. What's interesting is that, uh, when he, um, when he, what was it? I think he debuted on like rampage rampage. Yeah, that's right. It was on rampage when uh, they introduced him as the third uh, member for this match. They, uh, there was no, um, you know, like Eric bit red beard is all elite being tweeted out by Tony Khan. So mm-hmm. we are. So I don't think he's actually signed with the company at the moment. This might be just a uh, per appearance mm-hmm. situation. So yeah. we will see really what happens with that. But anyway, Malachi Black, uh, well, House of Black won the match when uh, Malachi used mist on Eric Redbeard, which allowed I think uh, Brody to get the pin, or was it? Yeah, I think it was yes. Brody. Uh, well, no. What happened was uh, Malachi was Malachi was legal. And uh, he used the mist, and uh, uh, Murphy hit a move. Then, uh, then uh, I think it was Ma- Brody. Ma- I, th- I think it was Brody that got the final pin, and then or was Ma- it Mal- Ma- Malachi? Malachi hit the kick, and then Brody hit a uh, hit a Rikishi driver. Okay, and then uh, then Malachi made the pin. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. So that's so that just uh, tells you how. Um, really uh, confusing the match was. I mean, a lot of great action in the match, but it's just hard to keep track of that because I actually lost track at one point when I think uh, Penta pinned the wrong guy who was not legal. 
So uh, it was like at that point I wasn't. Oh wait, he. So that that's another thing we should address a bit during this pod because uh, the referee, um, referee, the did, officiating is a bit inconsistent here and there at times. So uh, did uh, did Rick Knox do this match as well? Because he does all the multi man matches. So I am trying to remember. Um, mo- most I, likely. I he probably did, considering that whenever he refs a match, he does literally nothing <laughs> except count the pin. Right, which which in the event, which uh, it, which is probably better if he's just thrown in a trios match because basically there are no rules and he just needs to like look dumbfounded and just um just keep an eye on everybody and look who's mm-hmm. trying to over pinfall. Anyway, so that was the buy-in, and then now we're moving on yeah. to the main uh pay-per-view. And the opening match of the pay-per-view is Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho. Um, you definitely felt the emotional investment from the fans here. Um, I guess I noticed some subtle things like Jericho coming out with the, uh, the pain maker spiky jacket. Mm-hmm. You see, uh, definitely uh, Jericho is playing the uh, heel in this uh, situation, even though the, uh, he got the Judas sing-along from the crowd. So well, he, he gets was, it every time. Yeah, but I, I, I was, I'm getting sense of like a bits of like the old Jericho, like he, you know, like he, him raising his arm, thinking he got the free count, and like, um, I guess trying to untie the, the top turnbuckle. Um, a lot of suplexes. Uh, Jericho pulling off a couple of German suplexes, and then Eddie, uh, doing the same thing. Um, yeah. Uh, Jericho, Jericho, Jericho hit a nice. Um, top row perk and ron in this one. Oh yeah yeah he did yeah he, did. he uh he's he's been i mean you could tell he's kind of been leaning out and i, yeah. I think he's he's there definitely a, trying to get trying to get more uh there, you know there was a, a photo comparison of him from like maybe last year where he mm-hmm. looked uh you know a little bit chunky on the side and then just yeah. a picture of him like from last week and he's like oh he's got a six pack again so definitely, yeah, well, he must have he must have taken the John Moxley uh, regimen there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, this match, this was a great match, back and forth action. Uh, Eddie, Eddie is so over with the crowd. We, and... we, yeah, and we don't we don't uh, often talk about this enough, even though Eddie's style is more of a brawler, but he does know like some technical stuff, right? Because he actually well, he's up... very he's very inspired by Japanese. Uh, wrestling, he, you know his his heroes are all like all all Japan wrestling legends, and he does a lot of that. Uh, you know, T Bone suplexes, Saito suplexes, yeah, 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 and the the spinning back fist, and he does a lot of that. His style is very very Japan, old school Japan wrestling, and um, yeah, he him and Jericho had a, this was a great way to start the show, and I I mean. You could have started this this pay per view with any of the matches on this card, really, except for the TBS title, and um, <laughs> but yeah, this match, great. Uh, Eddie Kingston finally gets a big win. He, yeah, the uh, submission he used was very interesting. I, the I think stretch he, plum. It was stretch called the stretch plum. Yes. I'm not sure I've seen him use it before. I don't know if he used it on the indies. But, uh, uh, he's probably used it sporadically, but I haven't seen him use it recently. But I that was a very very unique way yeah. to win. Uh, I mean, it's I mean it's not fun to have your your arms yeah, stretched behind your like, back because he's like, like literally cranking so, your neck backwards, like you know, yeah, 
because he's not just holding it. He has to like sometimes he has, he, in, he he like cranked and, it back a few times before Jericho finally tapped out. And the way he did it too was very was very um. It, it was it was very mean the way he did it because he just did it very slowly and like just like made Jericho feel it like and the uh, third time the third time that he did it Jericho had to tap but I, yeah that was a very unique very unique way for him to get a big win here I believe that's his first pay per view win yeah I think, I think the- so even you, you saw his reaction when uh, the bell rang he, he was like looking dumbfounded he was like what what happened he's like and then yeah i think it was like aubrey who told him yeah you won dude <laughs> and, and and then I, uh yeah and then i mean after- they they had the agreement that if jericho that if jericho lost he would shake his hand and he didn't shake his hand hmm. and i think this is going to continue because of the connection to proud and powerful yeah and and kingston's going to Kingston's going to want that because he didn't keep his word and Kingston's not going to let him forget that. Well, and, considering that of uh, considering Tony Khan's recent um, acquisition of a certain wrestling company that values the code of honor. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, there's going to be a lot of talk about getting your hand shaken and that sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you heard the number of times the ring of honor was dropped on this pay-per-view. Um, yes. so yeah, so yes, Jericho does not shake Eddie's hand. Um, so probably gonna get an eventual heel turn of some kind, I think, uh, with Chris Jericho. Um, the next match is the triple threat match for the tag team titles, uh, Jurassic Express versus uh, Red Dragon versus the Young Bucks. Uh, so this was, um, uh, I've always found myself confused when it comes to like a triple threat tag team match is always to me why mm-hmm. is it only two men who are in the ring instead of three right but then yeah, i i agree yeah. i i feel like you should have three people in the ring so but, you can tag, but i think for this yeah for for this situation just for this match i think with the storyline that was um in there this actually made sense for two teams to be in there because, you know, apparently Red Dragon and Young Bucks were, were supposed to be on the same team. They were going to work together, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, it, there were moments where you saw, like, when Kyle was in the ring, he was going to tag in one of the Bucks and then vice versa. Um, and then one side note, I have to say, Bobby Fish's voice is really loud. Like, you can hear that <laughs> man talk. Was- you can hear that what that man is saying when he's not ne- nowhere near the microphone. Yeah. And he's just the very, on the side yelling stuff out to everybody. At the, very, at the very beginning of the match, he was like yelling at Luchasaurus, who was on the other side of the. Apron. I heard that, and and then um, I then for the for the for the first time in a while, uh, Luchasaurus was like, "I have a master's degree." Yeah, because <laughs> we don't we don't we don't remember yeah. that because lately he's just been. Uh, doing the dinosaur growl as part of the tag team, right? But he used to go yeah. around saying, "Yeah, I have a master's degree from Harvard, dude." <laughs> yeah, so so this was another another amazing yeah, tag team like, match. Like and, the Young Bucks uh, are almost not two separate pe- people. Even yeah, we know they're not Nick brothers, but they are just so fluid that like, they just know what to do. Like you can tell they were yeah. leading leading this and match. On. I mean, they they've had amazing matches with both of these teams in the past. I mean, this is the first time that we're seeing them face Red Dragon in AEW, but. Like if you go back and see some of their ROH stuff and like 
it's amazing every single time that we have a match like this they, they always seem to find a way to one up it like every single and even even if the young bucks aren't in it but when the young bucks are in it it's just it's better every time and all everybody in this match had had their moments to shine i mean luchasaurus was on today like yeah yeah, like, like for, for like a he guy hasn't been in a long time. For a guy who of his size being able to like like I guess match up like high fly maneuvers with all these guys who can pretty much yeah. with, whose speed is their advantage, you would think, was very good. Um like seeing like Jungle Boy the te- like hold his own against like these established vets was mm-hmm. like really good as well. Yeah, I mean, and Jungle Boy's offense is just so crisp and so fluid, and just the way he, the way he moves, the way he does the things that he does, like uh, it's crazy how good he is, and he's still very, very young. Yeah, like, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, he's younger than MJF, I think. Yeah, like by by a year, but nonetheless, they're yeah. like it's yeah. there's very young, very young guy. I mean, yeah. I mean, back to like how uh, the dynamics between the Bucks and Red Dragon were working out. You know, they were like working together throughout most of the match, but then eventually it broke down. And I think Jim Ross said it better uh, during the match. Like, what kind of agreement can you really have? I mean, you both mm-hmm. want the tag titles, like, because yep. they're breaking up each other's pins and they were like, Oh, Kyle was like, no, no, hey, hey, remember, remember, we got a, we got a thing going on here, right? Right? Like, oh, yeah, 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 okay, okay. Mm-hmm. But then eventually just broke down, and then like, oh yeah. But I, I like how they weren't able, like, how they didn't do as much Red Dragon versus Young Buck spots in there, so they could keep the focus on I think Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. And well, then at- they had to. Sorry, they had to do something like that because the build to this match was all around those those two uh, battle royals, and really, like you were already like building to Red Dragon and Young Bucks stuff. So the champions kind of like were like third in the like in line as yeah. far as the build, and so they needed a they needed to a big showing here yeah and i think they did and i think the finish was really good uh jungle boy did the uh flip over power bomb which is which is which they call jurassic express apparently as a, as their finisher now and i yeah. think they pinned matt so yes. that was a that was a big good that was a big moment and uh yeah looking forward to uh, seeing where this is going for to go forward and and i'm looking forward to not seeing the young bucks face jurassic express for a very long time because <laughs> this is like the fourth time that they faced each other on a pay-per-view and yeah. i just don't need it anymore <laughs> oh all right well okay we're going to a point where you're like going off on your team on one of your i don't need to see so and so for a while please okay um, the next match is the ladder match for the face of the revolution. Um, the winner gets a shot at the TNT title if they have to literally grab a brass giant brass ring. Uh, this match includes Wardlow, Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, Orange Cassidy, Christian Cage, and uh, Keith Lee, who's apparently having his first ladder match. Um, hmm. I think this match started out pretty hilariously you had keith wardlow and hobbs staring at each other down and then suddenly orange goes in the middle of the circle and just starts doing his 
kicking lightly tapping your shins uh S- sloth and, style kicks sloth style kicks yeah. and then you get all these crazy spots where everybody's just throwing each other around and then this is what i love i saw i saw keith climbing no i saw keith climb up the ladder and then wardlow looks up he's in the ring and instead of just climb usually you expect the other guy to climb the ladder along and just try to beat beat out the other guy but then Wardlow's like, no, dude, you come down. You come down here so I can kick, punch you in the face. So he was like, yeah. you come down from the ladder, son. He you challenged him. He challenged him. You got, you're not the big hoss around here. I'm the big hoss, right? So it's like. Yeah. Um, I felt like, uh, was it me or did Hobbs really like not matter in this match? Like at all? Like, I don't remember no, him no, doing I- anything. I saw him do some stuff where it's like you put, he was portrayed as like the strategist almost like he was like using his head in there for a couple. Of I mean, like, I believe he was the one who took the DDT off the ladder from Christian, right? That was him. Yeah, that was him. Um, but he and yeah. Wardlow also tried to team up for a moment. They actually went up the ramp to grab the ladder that was uh, in the entrance way. Um, yeah. Those two guys were so strong, they snapped the ladder in half. So each of them <laughs> got a piece of the ladder. Um, at one point, they were both holding the ladder horizontally, and then Orange just stood on the ladder and then yeah, tried that, to grab that, the ring. And that was he... that. That was Keith and Wardlow. Oh, was it um, Keith and Wardlow? Oh yeah, you're right. It was. Yeah, Keith and yeah. Because what happened was oh, Orange sorry. Cassidy. Okay. Orange Cassidy had the ladder on his head, like doing the helicopter thing. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then then they showed up on each side and then picked it up. And then he flipped on top of it and then got got crotched in between. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And then and then at, yeah. right after Wardlow gets hit in the nuts as well. I don't yeah. know how. Yeah. You know what? Um, you say you say Hobbs didn't do much. I actually think Ricky didn't do that much. And I now I wasn't re- expecting Ricky Starks to win this match since he no. already has the uh, FTW title, but he didn't do a lot to be honest. I like I don't remember. So I'm actually surprised at the way this turned out because Yeah, well he was involved in the finish. Yeah, because when the qualifiers I'm, were happening, um, you know, we I saw like well, the, the you got Keith Lee and then you got Wardlow and then you got Hobbs, and then I was like, Well, there's like three big guys in there. Like uh they should they need to put in some like normal weight guys to like kind of I was kind of hoping the whole match would be all big guys. <laughs> I mean, because then you had you had Ricky Starks face ten, and I was kind of hoping ten would win. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think um, so. We got to the point where uh, Keith, well, the big guys all decided to go up by the announce table for some reason, and then Mm -hmm. you had Keith and Wardlow. Oh, sorry, no, um, Hobbs and uh, Keith punching each other in the head, and then Wardlow out of nowhere just emerges and then shoves both shoves them both off the platform they both crash through some kind of steel structure below and yeah. at that point you know okay those two are out for the evening we're out so it's likely wardlow or uh, so at that point i actually thought wardlow was the eventual winner of that match because like yeah the momentum uh, shifted um, we also had a we had a Danhausen running yeah i was like um, wait what <laughs> Like Dan Housen hasn't wrestled yet, but I don't think anybody is well, really I, I looking think, for him to wrestle. But this, looks- I think his uh, his ankle is still injured. Oh really? Yeah, because oh. I think for a while he was he was on a he had a cast on his foot, 
right. like like right towards like the last hour. No, no, I show. remember that. I remember and, that. But um, and uh, I think he's still hurt. But he every time he shows up, he just puts a curse on people and then I leaves. think um I think this is um <laughs> yeah I think this is good what they're doing with Dan Housen right now we can di- uh, di- uh, digress for a bit because like you don't need him to wrestle at this moment there's like there's yeah. a lot of talent on the roster you just need somebody to pr- maybe be this sort of like character right on screen so mm-hmm. Dan Housen emerges uh he, he curses Ricky Starks I think I heard uh JR or like Tony mentioned like Oh yeah, he's uh, best friends of uh, Jason there. I'm like, wait, who? And then I was like, oh, maybe I think they were referring to Christian's real name for some reason. But I'm like, what's Jace? What's Christian's connection? No, with? no, they said he's best friend adjacent. Oh, best friend adjacent. Oh, okay, okay, yes. because of the orange thing. Okay, that makes sense. Yes, Orange yeah. Cassidy, yeah. the best friend. Right, and, and then yeah, and then yeah, at yeah. that and then at this point, uh, Wardlow's back in the ring. JR was like, is this train wreck almost over? Uh, Wardlow eventually <laughs> climbs up the ladder, grabs the ring, and Wardlow is now going to be, is now the number one and contender for the he, TNT title. He powerbombs Starks. Oh, yes. From, that from the, right. the rung of the ladder onto Ooh, a ladder bridge. Okay, so that was the most memorable thing that I recall now Ricky Starks doing in this match is taking that powerbomb on the ladder. So now Wardlow will get yeah. a shot at the TNT title, which Maxwell has said he can keep because yeah. uh, he decided to be a nice guy. Well, we'll see about that when we talk about a later match. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, next we just get Tony Schiavone standing there with an AEW contract. So I think this. Oh really well, just... before, before before you move on, on, it, on, it was announced. It was announced that uh, Scorpio Sky is getting yes. a shot. Scorpio Sky is getting a shot against Sammy Guevara this week on Dynamite. Yes. And then the following week at New York at uh at St. Patrick's Day Slam yes. is when Wardlow is getting his shot against the league. Yes, that is true. Upcoming Dynamite, Sammy will defend against Scorpio Sky, who apparently has been undefeated for a year. Uh I don't yeah. know how uh Tony in and, singles matches. In singles, singles matches. In singles matches. So I don't know who fell asleep on that one. But uh, yeah, why is the, why did this man not get a title shot? What, what was he doing all year with American Top Team and Dan Lambert and all this weird nonsense uh-huh. with uh, Inner Circle? Anyway, um, yes. next we get Tony Schiavone standing there about to make a big announcement. Uh, he's holding an AEW contract. He gives his- it away. He gives it away because he points the contract at the camera. Okay, I, 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 I did see that. I didn't catch, but I was like, based on what you sent me earlier, Kind of had an idea who uh, was getting well, signed. Well, we we kind of all saw this coming anyway because people were saying for a yes. while that he was he was going to be there. He lives in Orlando anyway. Right, and so, out comes uh, Mr. Shane Swerve Strickland. Mr. Yes. Swerve Strickland is now all elite. Uh, yep. I love how the crowd was chanting, "Whose house? Swerve's house?" They knew who he was. So oh, now yeah. we are going to get um, Swerve in AEW. Who the hell knows what he's going to be capable of going forward. Um, next match is the one match you said really didn't need to happen. Uh, the TBS title defended by well, Jade Cargill versus Ty it, Conti. I, I just, this I'm match just was not, the shortest match technically. It lasted only about less than seven minutes. So uh, I'm just not a Jade fan. I, I, I get the the presentation is great. The character stuff is great. She's just not there in the ring yet. 
And I get that's kind of why they have this belt. The whole reason they have this belt is to keep her away from the world title. And because she's not ready for the world title, because she's not good in the ring yet. I don't know how long. I mean, obviously, are you, are you noticing she's like messing up like moves or what is a lot, there, really a lot. And I, I mean, I, like you could tell she doesn't really have chemistry yet built up with certain people. Like, obviously, she had good matches with Thunder Rosa because she's facing Thunder Rosa. But see, like, see, first of all, I felt this match was like severely overbooked. Like, I don't think Anna needed to be out there. Um, I don't understand why the fuck Anna hit Jade in the face of a chair, and that was not a disqualification. I I, I think she did it. Ju- uh, I couldn't see if the ref, ref was turned around, but the, the ref just... probably. I think the ref missed the chair shot, but um, but yeah, like and just like there was a spot where where T- uh, Tay took forever to get to the top rope, and off camera Jade Cargill already moved out of the way, and she just jumped. Just willingly jumped onto Mark Sterling. <laughs> like we didn't see Jade move. She had already moved. So she just willingly jumps onto Mark Sterling. And then in response, Jade just throws Anna into the barricade for no reason. So both of those spots didn't need to happen. What did you think? <laughs> what did you think of Jade doing the frog splash? She shouldn't do that <laughs> <laughs> well she did have another move called the eye of the storm which i thought was a pretty neat name and uh yeah it was, basically it was a spinning slam it was like a tilt a world oh, like yeah tour it's like the tour of the islands that jeff cobbs does yeah maybe like, may, you know maybe maybe the problem with jade cargo is that we don't know if we're supposed to cheer for her or like still boo her because because she's doing like matt she's coming to shows bringing her daughter out uh mm-hmm. by ringside and like you see numerous times the camera points to like goes takes a shot of her daughter so we know she's there so mm-hmm. we're supposed to feel like um inspired or like positive about her like being an inspiration to her child or or what because i i don't i don't know at this point yeah i don't i don't know and I... the um and um and her being paired with like smart mark sterling uh it, it's been fun but i am I'm I'm starting to like get to a point wondering like is he still the best like pairing for her at this point because I don't exactly know what he does for her <laughs> in yeah, terms of because um, she's a very astute businesswoman who can market herself great yeah adequately right I so, I don't know as I mentioned I just I'm just not a big fan of her I mean I get I get the whole presentation I get that she's got quote unquote it I get it. But she's not there in the ring yet, and that's what matters. Yeah, well, she's can, like yeah. it. It it's this is a wrestling company. This isn't an entertainment company like the other place. So, I it, I think she, AEW is like they realize that their core is as a wrestling company, but deep down they probably do realize they need to inject some entertainment from time to time. Like try mm-hmm. to remember Jade's first match involved fucking. Shaquille Shaq. O'Neal of yeah. all people. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, and again, she's gonna get better over time. But oh yeah, like, I, it's just... like if you were to give me historical, like if I were to give you historical comparison, like if you put her next to like the Ultimate Warrior, no offense, like she's a thousand yeah. times better than Warrior, who, you know, mm-hmm. by all accounts, really didn't want to learn the wrestling. His business. his whole entire offense was a clothesline and a splash. Yes, exactly. 
yeah. At least uh, Kate has moves. But yeah, it's very hard to say where this is going to go because unlike like she's not been doing open challenges, she's been selecting her opponents. Hmm. So is she just going to keep doing that until she loses the belt? I don't know. Uh, and like, what is she going to, she's going to pick Anna J now because Anna J got, got involved in that match. So she's just going to like, there's no way of knowing where, where she's going from here because all she's been doing is picking her opponents. Well, she's already beaten Anna J. Now she's beaten Ty. Um, I mean, she's beaten, uh, I guess, Red Velvet. And yeah. yeah, but it's all just minor players and you're, you have a point, I think. I think with all these feuds with like Layla and Chris and Statlander and um, Serena Deeb and now Sheeta coming back in the mix, um, the the next challenger is like on the horizon. I think they just need to finish up um, whatever stories are going on in order to move on to um, mm-hmm. a challenge to Jade in the future. So um, we'll see. I mean, Jade has all the right tools. It's just that you know she still needs to learn like you said um, she she is her hair color in the ring right now green <laughs> okay well on on that note let's move on to some of the remaining matches on this pay-per-view now we are coming up to the who the dog collar match between cm punk and mjf we start off hearing the um, beginnings of Cult of Personality, and then it cuts away to MJF's slimy uh, he, feet. He song. finally, he finally did it. He finally did it because everybody was like, "Oh, this should happen on CM Punk's debut. MJF should come out to Cult of Personality." Like everybody's oh. wa- wanted this forever, <laughs> and he finally did it. So he comes out to Cult of Personality, followed by his own music. Yeah, yeah. and then and. and- and then, and then CM even, Punk, yeah, CM Punk goes and uh, I mean, obviously, I am, the, I am the not ROH, familiar. I am not familiar with his ROH history, so you better explain the what the ROH uh, uh, purchase. Obviously, played a big, I think, played a big factor in this. But so CM Punk comes out dressed like CM Punk from two thousand four, and uses his music from the same period and it's just uh like if you're if you're a big cm punk fan like i saw cm punk in roh the day that he signed his wwe contract i love this i i thought this was super super cool to do like to get under the skin of mjf who is a huge cm punk fan and this match like as we get get into talking about it i i love this match (laughs) yeah it's a dog collar match very rare like was it been only free in history i mean sure that i know of like first of all it was the one back in the 80s with i think greg valentine and roddy piper and then the next one was all the way like 30 years later uh, Brody Lee. Well, those are the ones Cody. you know of. I'm those sure those are the ones I know plenty. of. There were, There's plenty there others like, that you yeah. would have to go back in history to yeah. find. But, but this yeah. is pretty, like, this is a pretty brutal match because you're, like, essentially strapped by your neck to mm-hmm. to each other. This isn't like a strap match where you're connected by the wrist. This is like, yes. And it's a chain. It's like a heavy metal chain. So mm-hmm. we got a lot of, like, just the use of the chain. Um, 
a lot of choking, a lot, a lot choking. of choking, a lot of wrapping Sorry. around yeah. the arm and wrapping around the leg. And CM Punk did like a did the Shining Wizard with the thing around yeah. his knee. Yeah, and, and he also uh, starts stomping on uh, Maxwell's hand, which uh, mm-hmm. you know you heard. Oh yeah, he uses that hand for that diamond at diamond ring punch. So, uh, and then mm-hmm. Punk is just. You know, he gets busted open, obviously, the first. MJF at one point grabs the microphone and then he starts screaming at Punk about, uh, you know, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it's alluding to that um, promo he did about how Punk abandoned him, mm-hmm. which, you know, a lot of that is kind of true if you, like, dig back into some of his old Max, uh, MJF's old Facebook posts. So mm-hmm. there's a, there is a, like, I mean, like, I, I can see him totally like leaning into being yeah he was abandoned by punk and yeah he may have been a dastardly asshole and uh when pug was hugging him back on dynamite he he turned he turned on him but it was not like not really expected him to like them to like be friends or something like that right no we all we all saw what happened i know i saw it as soon as uh, max finished that like that intense promo from two weeks ago. It was like, oh yeah, that yeah, and, I mean, that, and that story and that story he told was real. Oh yeah, but that's but the best way just, to. Uh... And that's why I love this. I I love this entire build, and I don't care that they had a match already on on Dynam. Like that match was good too, but this match just yeah threw that, that just threw that match out of the water. Like this this match was it was like it was and i love why they did it too because the whole time that this thing has been going on all mjf has been doing is running away oh yeah and, ru- yeah. and running is and running his mouth right. so the whole reason that cm punk chose this match was so that he couldn't do that anymore exactly and it just was so so personal so uh th- thumbtacks freaking Going for he he tried to do the Pepsi plunge again, which was uh, which I was hoping he would hit, but I mean he did it the one time in the last match, so that's enough for me. He doesn't need to be doing that match that move a lot. <laughs> well, one move um, that one move that Punk did do is the Tombstone pile driver on the ring apron, and considering yes. this year that the um, I'm sure they're all fans of Taker, but considering that Taker's going into yes. the Hall of Fame, I, I kind of like to think that we we, we saw teams... that move like we saw that move like four times. Tonight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, um, there was an additional yeah. um foreign objects, if you will, a bag of thumbtacks introduced by MJF. Um, I'm actually Jim not Ross. sure. I'm actually not sure if we needed the thumbtacks in addition Jim, to a fucking chain. There was a funny moment on commentary. And where Jim Ross was like, oh, we know what that is. And he's, <laughs> he's like, I'm pretty sure it's not a bag of marshmallows. <laughs> I love yeah, that. Right. And then it looks like uh, Punk took the, the hit on the tax first. And then I think I yeah, saw a moment. A superplex. When, yeah. A superplex. And then I think Max was trying to get the cover on him, but he started crawling over his own tax. And I was yelling yeah. at him, you're crawling on your own tax, you dumbass. Anyway. Yeah. And then anyway, it got to the point, and I think this is where the 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 um. Well, after after okay. Punk got up, after Punk got fought back, he hit a GTS, and MJF yeah. fell. MJF fell. Oh yeah! And, oh yeah! Oh yeah! He I had like the look on Max's face where he, he was had like, like this wide eyed, and his arms were shaking. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and then uh, and then I think so that brought out Wardlow after yeah. that. And... So so here's what I found interesting: Wardlow didn't come out like on his own, like. 
Max had to yell at Wardlow. He was literally screaming, Wardlow, get out here. Get me my ring, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. first of all, that was very different from, from the past uh, when Wardlow would come out and help Maxwell. Uh, so yes. Wardlow comes out, uh, MJF screaming for his ring, and then Wardlow is like acting like the that joking groomsman at a wedding where you forget where you are. Well, he, he can't find it. Well, he can't find and, it. Oh, there was... Like, what was funny about that was earlier in the night, um, Max Caster posted on Twitter that he was wearing the ring on his hand and he had a bracelet that said, I heart MJF. <laughs> and he uh, and he wrote at, like the caption. He wrote, uh, he said, yes. Like, <laughs> so I, I was I was going to tweet, but I didn't get a chance to. I was going to tweet like, I'm pretty sure. Doesn't Max Caster have it like? <laughs> But, but anyway, yeah, yeah Warlow's like pretending he doesn't know where it is, and then at that point, um, Punk, uh, I think he 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 took out he took down Maxwell again, and then at that point, Warlow's like, oh yeah, it's in my pants, and he pulls it the ring out. It was in the other pocket. It yeah. was in the wrong. Now pocket. I love how he doesn't throw the ring directly at Punk. They're just making eye contact. Warlow just puts the ring down on the on the, puts the down puts the ring on the ring, and then he's just like on the apron. I'm, Yep, yeah. puts it on the apron and he's just, I'm walking out. See ya. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Punk is just like, picks it up. And then I think this is the shot heard around the world where everybody has been just sort of just dying for this moment for months. Punk puts the ring on, hits MJF in the ring. JR, I think, says, Wardlow just gave a ringing endorsement of this match. Okay, so yeah. that was before. Jim and Ross then, was on fire today. Oh yeah, Jim, I think he was uh, way better Jim than Ross, how you. Uh, he was on fire today. He yeah, was. He yeah, was we've, on... we've had some criticism of uh, Jim's uh, commentary in the past, but uh, he was definitely yeah. on fire with the one-liners. Anyway, um, Max is now knocked out cold. Punk gets the pin. <laughs> this, this brutality is over, and um, yeah, we are going to see what the fallout is from. Wardlow's um supposed betrayal, I guess, because there's a no no other yep. way to look at this. You know how this is. Uh, like... Yeah, I I think that this is gonna this uh it's finally gonna come to a head with this Wardlow MJF stuff. Obviously, MJF is not gonna be very happy about this because he's gonna watch it back. He's not gonna play dumb and be like, what? Yeah, why, where, like you this know. will this will affect probably affect Wardlow's title shot. It'll probably affect Wardlow's employment and, contract with well, MJF. Well, yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. Like the whole story is that Wardlow doesn't work for AEW, he works for MJF. So obviously this is going to lead to something with that. Yeah. And as for like where Punk goes from here, I think it I think he's going be, for a title cuz Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. I think it's probably time to get him in the world title picture cuz mm-hmm. he he won, he beat he beat MJF and Really, like, what else is there right now for him? I mean, I, I mean, there's plenty of people he hasn't feuded with, but it, I feel like it's just it's time. It's yeah, time. I I think it's interesting that I noticed Punk isn't on the rankings yet, as far as I know. I mean, even though he's had a string of wins, I mean, he lost. He only lost that one match to MJF back in Chicago. So yeah. just like MJF, he's not on the rankings either. So mm-hmm. I don't know at some point where they're going to start listing him. They'll probably start listing him now, now that um, the, they this week, him, probably. Yeah, this week. 
Um, yeah, and I'm definitely waiting for the Wardlow is all elite graphic to come up at some <laughs> point. Uh, if he, hey, he's not employed by AEW yet, so but even though he's been here for yeah. like the last three years, so yeah. Um, so we're moving into the home stretch here. So the next match is uh Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's World Title Belt, which has been changed. It has been updated. Uh, it looks that, nicer. It's it, bigger. Uh, it's definitely more nicer. more prominent. It looked the the old one looked very old school. Looked kind of like the older titles from like the you know the fabulous Moolah era, and this one looks more present day championship. I I like it better. My my recollection was that um I think when Brit won the title first from Sheeta that they actually. Well, I think they it was made the, the original up. belt bigger. Yeah, it made they it made, bigger. It was the same the, design, but it yes. made it bigger. Okay. The original belt was much smaller, and they just made it a little bigger. But yeah. now they now they have a more prominent looking title, and I actually like it a lot better. Now. Oh yeah, it's definitely a, a appropriate evolution of that belt. Um, yeah. Anyway, this match uh, it was okay. It was fine. Yeah. At first, I thought Thunder would probably win. I was gonna win at, at this because yeah. I thought at this point it kind of just built up, but then somebody said uh, out there, anytime a challenger gets their hands on the title before the title match, it's always a bad. Well, luck also, she 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 pinned Brit in that tag match, uh, so like that immediately is like, obviously it's very tropey. It's like oh, you pin the champion before the title match, so you're probably not gonna pin her at the pay per view. But no, also, like, yeah, like but, this this match was uh, just severely so much, so much interference, <laughs> like to the point where, like, like, why aren't you throwing them out? Like, exactly. I was like, why are these women what? just allowed to be around you? Like, why? Rebel. Why? Why is Rebel allowed to just continue to get on the apron? Rebel at distra- one point was just in the ring, and then like the referee wasn't doing anything. She's just lying there in the ring. And like, like, to a point, the to, ring? The, to the point where Thunder Rosa got so angry that she speared her off the apron, and but, and then for no reason just threw Jamie Hader into the stairs. <laughs> Jamie see, Hader, see, as as soon as like even at that point, I was thinking, okay, I think Brit's retaining because like there's yes. just too much interference. Like mm-hmm. this is just gonna be shenanigans all over the place, and then eventually that's what happened. Britt, uh, Britt ended up uh, winning the match. Um, I, I don't remember if she knocked out Thunder or what did she do. She did the she... stomp on the belt. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the curb stomp. I forgot she uses a curb stomp now. Oh yes, yeah, she also used the new title belt as a foreign object. Yeah, so she did. Yeah. She did the stomp on the belt. Um, there was numerous occasions where Thunder had the win and the ref was distracted. She, the refs, the the fans counted to like six on two different occasions and it, it was just so that there this doesn't need to happen anymore but as you as we mentioned earlier they announced that Layla Hirsch and Thunder Rosa will be having a number one contenders match where the winner will face Brit at St. Patrick's Day Slam one year after the lights out match between Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker this year it is in San Antonio the hometown of Thunder Rosa. And unlike the other company, most people win in their hometown in AEW. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, CM Punk. Old. I believe is like the only person to lose in their hometown in AEW. There, yeah, there might have been another, but I don't remember. Yeah, but yeah, so I think it's like it's almost like the writing on the wall. I'm interested to see in the next two weeks how they build this up. I mean, is 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 the match I, with is the match I with made Brit, a... is the Brit, Brit Thunder rematch um, going to be like you know a no outside. Match. Hmm. Maybe okay, a cage yeah, match. Maybe that, ca- yeah. Cage. That was my suggestion. A cage right. match. That's what I. That's what I said on Twitter. Right. I. I think that they should do something because the interference was so noticeable to a point where like you need to do something to prevent it. If it's a cage match, it. it, it comes to a point where it, it, I think Rebel and Hater will still try to come out and climb inside, and then yeah, I but, think you probably get that- like you probably get like Mercedes coming for her pound of flesh still. To help yes. out Thunder, so I'm surprised well, we're, she wasn't we're, here we're, for this. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. I'm surprised about that, but I think they just wanted to uh, leave Thunder looking like the one who's just fighting against everybody to build mm-hmm. her up for the eventual win. Well, that's the reason she lost. She didn't lose because she didn't. She wasn't better than Britt Baker. She lost because people kept mainly Rebel kept interfering, and she would have won probably won if that didn't happen. So that's why you got to build to the rematch where that is not allowed. And okay. yeah, so I think that's that's probably where this is going. Okay, we'll uh, leave it but at the, that. Anyway. This match, not as rem- memorable as their past. Yeah, def- definitely. I, I it was not, um, well, definitely could not top the lights out match. Let's, let's speak. Oh, yeah, no way. Um, anyway, so here we, we are coming down to the final stretch, and uh, we're gonna go to a match that you almost forgot was on the card. It's the AHFO versus the um, uh, Matt Hardy, Andrade, and Isaiah Cassidy versus mm-hmm. Darby Allen, Sting, and Sammy Guevara. So, Darby's entrance included one of his um, interesting um, um, <laughs> um, videos, um, videos. Taken it was from, the I it think, was the funeral of Andrade, yeah. Matt Hardy, and Isaiah and Cassidy. And it, it involved <laughs> a, a what appears to be an SUV flying through the air and crashing into a tractor into a trailer home. And I was <laughs> asking you, I think Darby's in the car in that SUV. Uh, he I, drove it. I I don't think like, so. No, I think you they, don't they, think so. But I think I've seen, we've seen Darby do really crazy stuff so i don't I think know, they man. they probably cut the video and he got in the car and then jumped out i'm surprised sammy I mean, i'm surprised sammy wasn't in the video just to make it more of like a team but, thing maybe. but yeah he he did a he did a coffin drop off of the car on top of a priest ah <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> and and then sting showed up with a flamethrower for some reason to light the graves on fire and say yeah. it was showtime Anyway, uh, this is a tornado trio oh. match, which basically was right up the alley for Rick Knox because you just need oh. to count the pin. But to keep track of what was going on was it wasn't as confusing at first. But then well, when you had the um, this was the, the butcher match. and the blade come in and Mark Quentin come in at that point, I'm asking. Who the fuck is in this match? Because it's like, I don't they even also, know who to participate. They, they also never said this was no DQ or they, they never said this was this was anything but a trios match. But this is the match that I think was worse as far as like the uncontrollable part of it. Like 
compared to the pre-show match and um but yeah the, i mean there's obviously some great spots in this match uh, well, we saw a 63 year old sting dive off a balcony onto four tables on yes. andrade um yep. and he got back up oh yeah he got back up he got back up and yeah. I said that I said that Sting should not wrestle again until at least November. <laughs> yeah, like give the man a break, man. Like what the hell are you guys doing? Like you want him to stick around this company for a while. I mean, commentary mentioned how Sting is having a having a big uh effect on Darby and I and then they said I think Darby is having a big effect on Sting because <laughs> Sting did never Sting never did that. Yeah. Never did that before. Um, but yeah, and you also had the Spanish god fly. Off yeah, yeah, the... Isaiah and uh, Sammy. Sammy did the Spanish fly off two tables. At what at that point, I thought the table actually didn't break. It left, I thought it just went flat because it, it looked, it like, looked it just... like they just broke the legs. Oh yeah, it, it broke <laughs> the legs, and then it, the table just went flat down. It made it, I think yeah. it did break in two. It just looked like it just went splat. And then those yep. two guys were just out, and like the referees looked. Aubrey will Aubrey came out, looked like um she was just checking yeah. on them. It looked like they were. But, but you had interference from Butcher and Blade. Who interference then disappeared from, for no reason. I don't know where they went. Interference from Mark Quinn. They did the silly string on the outside, which is always a cool looking move to do. But like there, there was just so much going on in this yeah, match, and but the, then and the, yeah, the finish, was, the finish. So Matt Hardy and Darby. Darby Allen. Matt Hardy was like two thirds away on the other side of the ring, and Darby freaking missed the coffin drop. Oh, you like, know, landed, like... He landed his head. He landed his head on Matt Hardy's side. That's how far away he was. Yeah, it's like shades of Brock Lesnar trying to shooting star press and completely missed the whole move at WrestleMania. Yeah. I was like, oh crap, I think he uh, missed that move. But anyway, they. Darby got the pin. Um, You know, Darby Sting and Sammy won the match. Uh, So we had been, there has been a lot of uh, speculation about where uh, this goes uh, forward for Matt Hardy and his little group here. Cause uh, Mm -hmm. we know his brother, Jeff, his, his 90 day, um, I guess, um, non-compete is expiring as of this week, as Mm -hmm. we speak. So would we will we see Jeff Hardy appear on Dynamite as early as Dynamite this Wednesday? Who the hell knows? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we all know that this is where it's going. They're gonna it's gonna lead to something where Andrade is like mad that Matt Hardy's always losing, and there needs to be a way, you know, yeah, for them to transition Matt back into the broken character because now that crowds are back, it that 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 character should be able to work. Yeah, and I I was never I I never got this you know association with andrade and uh matt hardy and it just doesn't work it 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 doesn't it doesn't fit andrade doesn't look like he belongs next to butcher and blade and 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 uh private party i know it it is still to to this day the most weird faction of like random people you've ever met andrade looked better with the house of black he should have stayed with them like but like I, I i just don't and and like this whole storyline has been about andrade wanting to buy darby <laughs> like legitimately buy him 
like because he thinks that he thinks Darby works for Sting because right. he, he doesn't understand friendship. <laughs> he 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 doesn't understand how friendship works, so he thinks that everybody just works that, for everybody. That is that is funny, but also kind of sad at the same time. Because <laughs> remember, I think Andrade's only friend was uh, um, the woman named Selena Vega. <laughs> right yeah um, so i mean i don't know if uh, is this gonna continue well, her real name's tia trinidad but i think uh, we all know her so yeah. anyway yeah like is this gonna continue like are they gonna is this gonna lead to like the hardys versus andrade and somebody is darby gonna continue feuding with Andrade? i don't know i don't know i, I, I mean I, yeah, this is uh this is like one of those things we have to leave up in the air for now because we don't know what's gonna develop at this point. Um like okay, you know what? I just realized I missed a match before we go on to the main event. It's uh John Moxley versus Brian. Oh Lee. yeah. Yeah, the one right before this. And yeah. this match is precipitated on the notion that Brian Danielson wants to make an alliance with John Moxley. But John Moxley only said he'll only team up with someone if they, he bleeds with them first. At first, I didn't really think they would do it literally because we just saw a huge amount of blood in a dog collar match. Mm-hmm. But they went through with it. Um, they somehow busted each other open. The, uh, the, this, the head, the head butts the head on butts, the outside. The head butts. Yeah. Uh, this match was just brutal as shit. Uh, they. I I loved it. It was just like. I loved it so much. It was much. a slow build, first of all. You know, we saw Danielson doing the jumping jacks. It was like, oh, come mm-hmm. on. And then Moxley putting his hands behind his back, telling Brian to hit him yep. in the face. You I, know, they're, I play, loved, they're playing around. Loved, and then as soon as uh, we started getting more serious. Yeah. With the blood. The, the, the build to this match where, like, Brian was saying how him and Moxley should be teaming and, and molding the next generation of guys like them, like Lee Moriarty, and Daniel Garcia and Wheeler Yuta and then Moxley uh like kind of like shrugging it off but not really like wanting to do it and then Danielson going out of his way to make an example of all of those people well not Wheeler Yuta but Lee Moriarty and him had an amazing match him and Daniel Garcia had an amazing match and that and leading up to this match where they just had the slow build of like a brawl that turned into this technical showcase of a match. And like Moxley was throwing kicks at Brian and Brian was throwing like they were they were basically doing each other's offense yeah. to each other and just trying to one up each other and it, it was getting more and more dangerous as the match went on the, right. the back super the back superplex off the top rope that yeah. brian does all the time right but like moxley landed really high on his shoulders on that one. Oh yeah and i mean it 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 was it was brutal that was a brutal landing but like the match as a whole was just so much fun yeah and, i mean yeah let's get the and the ending was for me, surprising because it was like a roll up by Mox. At first, I thought uh, they both pinned each other, so I thought actually yeah. that would have been an appropriate way to end well, this. Because <laughs> Brian, Brian has been winning a lot of his matches with the triangle choke, and then yeah, he's yeah. been like posing while he does it. 
Uh-huh. And uh, Moxley like one upped him on that and f- did like a jackknife pin over, right. off of off of the. When choke. they did the replay, I saw that yeah, Mox arched his back yeah. up, so he met, he was the one who yeah. made the pin, and then Brian's like arguing with Moxley, yep. and then they start fighting again, and then all the security people come out, and then they're trying to break them up, but nobody can break them up, and then suddenly we just pan over and. William Regal just randomly showed up. I was like, my arms are up the air. I was mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is William Regal? And he just comes in. We, you know, Regal's got that intense look in his face. We know his history with Danielson. And we kind of actually know his history with Moxley as well. If you dig back into like NXT and uh, the, that period. FCW. FCW, that's true. And then, like at one point, basically Regal basically headbutts Moxie in the head. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, uh, yeah, we, then he just gets he just had the blood on his head from yeah. the match, like right, right. And then and, and, and then Regal basically slaps Moxie in the face. I don't know what he started yelling at them about, but he's like, "You guys and, shake hands." I and think then that's it what was it was funny. It was funny because Danielson was like, "Would you talk some sense into him?" And then <laughs> and then and then he smacked Danielson. Right. And, and then it's like, "What are you slapping me for?" And then and Regal just like shake hands. Shake he was hands just right now. like he was like a dad. He was like a dad, like telling his two sons not to argue. He was like just to shake hands. Uh, and yeah. and I th- oh, I love it was so cool. It was just but, the most simplest thing you can do. Like the one person you never thought would show up, but would probably be the the only person that could probably bring these two together, which mm-hmm. I think they have now done. Um, yes. And now, um, based on what Tony Khan has put out, William Regal is all elite. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know exactly what his role is going to be. Whether is they're gonna, oh. whether he's gonna be like part of this Moxley Danielson group or uh, that, that's that's what I think. I think it's gonna be like a you know like a uh, you know like a, a mentor kind of thing, like he, like Moxley and and. Danielson are going to try to put this group together and like William Regal is going to be like the overseer of that like kind yeah. of thing like like he's going to like help train whoever they bring into the group like if they were to like bring in like Lee Moriarty or Daniel Garcia as examples I, I mean all all the people that they mentioned Lee Moriarty uh, Daniel Garcia Wheeler Yuta would all be perfect for this the, the problem is, is that they're all associated with other people. All right. right. So, so they're going to have to so, figure out some way to pride all three of those guys away from their current uh, stable mates or, or, or partnerships. And, and who knows, you know what it doesn't, maybe it doesn't have to be those three specifically. Yeah. I mean, one of them yeah. probably, but there's like scores of like talent in AEW mm-hmm. right now. That are just kind well, of lang- languishing around could, dark and elevation. They could take Lee Johnson and be like, "What are you doing over here, teaming with Arn Anderson's son? Like, you, you, do you really want to team with that guy when you could be with us?" Like, well, it's Arn Anderson, so maybe um, that that's not exactly a bad arrangement at that point. I don't know. We'll see. Obviously, yeah, I, I and... hope I hope it leads to something. I would like. I think I would really enjoy a Moxley Danielson led yeah. group because I like both. I love both guys as workers. And I mean, and with I, this ring of honor thing, like William Regal could also be a very like plausible ring of honor commentator or even 
also on screen on screen management also imagine imagine Samoa Joe being involved in this as well oh my gosh I am that would be like, insane Danielson Samoa Joe William Regal three of the <laughs> best three of the best technical minds in wrestling and, and Moxley's pretty pretty high up there I mean, too but let, like, let's, let's remember for our listeners out there if when you've heard Tony Khan bought Ring of Honor no contracted wrestlers are under this business deal Essentially, Tony Khan just bought the naming rights of Ring of Honor, the tape library, the the logo. I guess the I guess all the mm-hmm. copyrighted all, material. The There's the no rings. Talent. He yeah. he basically got all of their equipment, all of their rings, all of their uh, right. everything. It's basically, he basically bought a storage locker for labeled Ring of Honor, and then whoever St. Clair Broadcasting that sold it would go here. You go, here you go, my man. There you go. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it. This is yeah. it's like a it's like an episode of Storage Wars where like maybe Tony's going through all this shit and like figuring out oh, what am I gonna do with this. So we'll see what <laughs> happens with that, and we'll see what happens with Rigo, Moxley, and Danielson. Um, and you know what? With all the intensity of that match and then the uh, crazy trios match, it's almost almost like a we're kind of mellowing down into our main event because the Adam versus Adam World Title match was okay. It wasn't like I think I, like, I enjoyed it. it the, was fans right. were, the fans loved it. I mean, and there was a lot of like, I mean, the fans started to like die down yeah. around 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 the women's title match. Uh-huh. The fans started to get a little quiet because there was just so much going on. But then they like they woke up again for the Moxley and uh, Danielson match. And then, I mean, all of the craziness of the trios match. Yeah. And then this match, they were just the whole entire match. They were they were chanting, "Let's go, Adam! Adam sucks." So you don't you don't even know who they're <laughs> chanting for. And what, and what did you think of the ring entrance gear? I mean, Adam Cole came out in uh, I guess a Halo, uh, yeah. cosplaying a Halo character. Yeah, then, Adam uh, Cole. Adam Cole loves Halo. He's like okay, he's like and a, then he's and like then, a Halo mark. Yeah, and then Hangman Page came out with like uh, multicolored tassels on his uh, vest. Which yep. I am trying to figure out whether it was like trying to match with the Young Bucks, or because I saw like blue and yellow in there, and then for me, like for a second, I was thinking because it's been on the news for the last two weeks. Like, oh, is that like Ukraine? It's like the Ukrainian flag. Or well, something. I mean, I was, he really, had, I was really confused about. That. He had that amazing tweet. Uh, Hold on, <laughs> he had that amazing tweet to Kane, so. I, you know. I I I I don't follow him that well much on Twitter, so I haven't seen what he was tweeting about. But um, well, Kane Kane wrote a thing. About... Oh, is this about the masking or the? Yes, yes. Oh. Kane wrote a thing. Kane wrote a thing about masks and kids wearing masks in schools or whatever. And Adam Hangman Page replied with uh with one of those relief charities to Ukraine. And then played a video of uh, shared a video of Kane getting hit in the head with a chair ten times. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. But I'm seeing, yeah, I am seeing now that Hangman did did reply to Kane's tweet with a UNICEF support children of Ukraine uh, relief fund kind of thing. Okay, so I get it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yes. um, match starts off. Uh, it looked like Adam Page was. Uh, 
dominating through most of the beginning. Um, I mean, I don't have much to say. I mean, they they did all their signature moves. Uh, Adam uh, Adam Cole um, started yeah, you're, uh, working you're on the. Say, you're gonna I'm have to say, say Cole, Cole and Paige. Yeah. Or Hangman, yeah. whatever. Okay, Cole started yeah. working on Hangman's arm because uh, of the buckshot lariat. And um, yeah, I mean, I mean, there was, I, a lot I, there was of... like it was it was a very normal Cole Adam Cole kind of match to me. You know, the only I mean, thing I wish that Cole would stop doing is I wish he would stop trying to do the Panama Sunrise like four times in a match because yeah. he 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 never wins with it and. Like whenever he does it, they always kick out. Like he's trying to do it on the apron. He's trying to do it off the apron on the floor. I think he's I trying think, to do it well, off the top in terms rope. Of the, in terms of the Panama Sunrise, I think he did win like a six man tag match, like when he did it on Orange Cassidy or something a while ago. Yeah, back. but but like he never like wins big matches with it. So whenever he does it, it's like, oh, we know the match isn't over when he does that move. Like and there was like some great there was some good attention to detail in this match like the he hit it he did hit it in the ring like towards the end of the match and then very quickly went for lower the boom but commentary was quick to uh, acknowledge that he didn't lower the knee pad which is why he didn't get the victory yeah they, I, they, was, they pointed that out yeah it was uh, very interesting that because i think they said that he wanted to keep the flow of the momentum going after after he did the panama sunrise again or whatever and yeah. then he just went right into the boom knee uh knee into the back um yeah then we got at one point red dragon coming out and i'm like mm-hmm. okay this is i'm getting a sense this is another one of those severely overbooked situations it was not as bad it was no not bad. it was the two of them and then seven members of the dark order come out um yeah. i guess at one point uh, when, well, when cole well, right and before Pace, that right yeah. before that freaking adam page just destroys his knees by doing the, the dead, dead eye, eye in, on a into, table. A ta- into a table where his knees basically take the entire bump. Like, well, Adam Cole, Adam Cole didn't even touch the table. And I until, think that's until the point. He, I and know it is. To protect your- <laughs> I, I know it is, but the, the, that's the whole thing. Like why, why even, I, I, I get it. Suspend, it's a suspend the disbelief part of yeah, the match. But you can see but, that. Clearly, could, it was Adam Page taking the brunt of that. Yeah, almost like and Cody, I, almost like Cody taking the brunt of a flaming table. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even commentary even pointed that out. Like Jim Ross was like, I, "I'm pretty sure that Adam Page took the brunt of that table." <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I think that's but, one of the good things about AEW. They like they let you sus- they let you suspend disbelief, but then they. Kind of bring you back to reality, but it's just saying, hey, I think they took the front of that table, you know, with the knees and all. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they had there was a <laughs> lot of great, a lot of great back and forth action in this match. A lot of great counters, trying to steal each other's moves, and um, uh, well, not a... try. I mean, the way it ended, um, yes. Hangman did steal uh, Cole's move. He did the boom. He he lowered the knee, did the boom. And then he did the buckshot lariat. Yes. So, and um, uh, we would be uh, remiss not to mention that we saw Don Callis today, but yes. not Kenny Omega. On the buy-in, and, um, yeah, we heard Kenny's music play, and then suddenly Don Callis comes out. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think a lot of people, me included, were 
we're expecting Kenny Omega to have some kind of involvement in this match. Oh. Um, because of the whole thing with the uh, Elite and Red Dragon and Cole kind of like getting in the middle of it and Cole being the one to bring in Jay White. And we don't really know how Kenny feels about all of this. But obviously, um, if they include, you know, being the elite stuff, which they usually do, um, Adam Cole and and uh, Kenny Omega don't have a very good past together. Um, well, isn't that more like Kenny Omega and Jay White? Or because, like, I mean, Adam Cole was there when Kenny... Adam Cole debuted while Kenny was still there and they were still kind of getting along. And then when Kenny uh, left, he, he was the one who made that kind of remark. It's like, I trust you guys to hold down the fort. And then Adam Cole was like, yeah, you can trust us, uh, um, Kenny. And then Kenny was like, Oh no, no, I was just talking, I was talking to the bucks. And he was like, Oh, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. So yeah, but you, know, they you, plant, also, you plant they, the seeds already back in November. When this I happened. mean that, and they also have the, the ROH history of the bullet club stuff. Oh, okay. And like Kenny kicking Adam Cole out of the group when he left to go to WWE, and uh, on when Marty Skrull joined the group. I mean, oh, okay, okay. Obviously, we don't talk about him anymore. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it there's there's so much meat on the bone there, and I th- I thought maybe that the you know with with these two guys who who were kind of like. They were friends. They 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 mentioned in the story it built up to this match that they were roommates when they were coming up in ROH and they um every all this history with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and between everybody involved. So there I obviously think we're gonna see Kenny sooner or later. I don't know when, but because considering he had a lot of stuff that he needed to work out physically and um but yeah and and i mean they've they've mentioned tony khan has mentioned that he does not want to introduce trios titles until kenny omega is back oh okay Um, okay um so so i think it's like this is one of those situations where it's a bit of a slow build like yeah you could have probably brought kenny omega back for revolution but I think, I think they're. I think this is sort of a slow build. They'll probably the save line. save it for double or nothing. The, the I, I would you say double or nothing is like their mania? It's hard to tell because all of AEW's pay per views is like so good for me. Yeah. At least they're all like a. I mean, double or nothing is their first show ever, so it, it's like I, I feel like double or nothing is their mania. But I like you could say it's it's revolution you could say it's this uh, i don't know I, I i don't really know what their big biggest show of the year is they don't ever say it so they, I mean, they just they it, just treat every show like as a marketing like, ploy they probably don't want to say it in order to like let the fans i mean just make their assumption themselves. I, I guess you could say all out is their mania because you're literally like all out you're going all out you know? <laughs> like I, I don't know, but Double or Nothing is their first first show. And if you remember, on that show, we got the debut of Moxley 
against Kenny Omega. Yeah. So maybe Kenny Omega comes back for whatever is going on with the Bucks and Cole or whatever's going on with the title. I don't know. Um, but it's like, cause I don't know, like we mentioned earlier that I guess you could have CM Punk challenge page at the pay-per-view at the next pay-per-view. Cause that's not a match that you have on dynamite. I mean, yes, they have title matches on dynamite, but I feel like if CM Punk's going to get his first title opportunity, you have that at a pay-per-view. Um, and Double or Nothing is in May. So it's not that far away, as opposed to like in between Full Gear and this show, no, November to March. Yeah. So, um, so I, I don't know. It's hard to say like what, what, what's next. What's next for Adam Cole? I, what's next for whatever whatever they're building to here is 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 he gonna turn on the young bucks before kenny omega shows up is he is it are they gonna turn on him obviously it's gonna lead to something big yeah it will it is gonna lead to something big and um i think we're all just gonna have to anticipate what comes next i mean i mean so far, this company has only been around for three years, and so far they have not disappointed in terms of the big stories that they're telling, mm-hmm. the matches they're putting forward, and the um, just the just just the emotional investment they have allowed fans to have in their product. So I think we're all looking really forward to it. But for now, um, for Revolution, like. Overall, Mike, what, like in, I guess um, in a score like between 1 to 10, how would you rate this pay-per-view? I would give this show, I'd give it a 7. I, I feel like there was a lot of good matches, but there was a couple of them in there, like unfortunately both women's matches, that kind of brought it down a little. Um, is it no, nowhere near their best show ever but there's there's some matches on here that are definitely worth watching the dog collar match probably my match of the night uh the the moxley danielson match great main event great tag title match it always very good um but yeah i i i enjoyed myself throughout the show despite you know what i have to say about jade <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i would also give like yeah i i would probably give like an eight just because i thought like all the matches well yeah i mean I, I mean all the matches are good in in to their varying degrees so like i wouldn't say like each match those one match it should it should be excluded but um i think like yeah it, it i think like definitely it's like not you know this wasn't like the best pay-per-view out of the other ones they've already hosted um from the year prior but uh yeah like this is like a very decent solidly done show and uh it, it leads you to um anticipate more on what they will bring forward coming up to double or nothing and uh whatever shows you know, they have in between right 
and and I feel like we we've said this before, but like I feel like everybody calls like WWE like calls WrestleMania a variety show, right? But like every AEW show is different, and every AEW show always has something different. Like you have the the high flying action and the you know the crazy moves and what and whatnot, and you have the the technical prowess of people like Danielson and Moxley, and then you have like the 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 bloody you know hardcore stuff this this show is the definition of a variety show as a wrestling show like people say that about like i mean the other show but the other show doesn't put that much detail into their stories the other show doesn't have this kind of uh you know attention to detail to everything on the card there's literally something that and i i've had this conversation with numerous people who don't get aw like there there's a reason for everything on the card and that's what should matter well uh thank you for uh that statement and uh frankly um i agree and uh we'll see what happens going forward but for now thank you for listening to uh SOTD roundtable uh, um i guess the north american version uh, with mike and myself uh fantastic from SLTD. uh that was our AEW revolution prediction and uh just you know stay safe stay entertained and watch the wrestling you want to watch and not what the wrestling that people are telling you to watch so for now uh, we're signing off uh, thank you and uh, thank you for listening and have a good night